0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Red Beard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at the Red Beard Outdoors podcast, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors, and how those four aspects apply in our lives. On Mondays, I give you a gear review. Wednesdays, I give you a little pick-me-up to get you through the rest of the week, solo episode, and on Saturdays, like today, I share awesome conversation that I get to have with some outstanding individuals That apply those four aspects into their lives on a regular basis, something that we can learn from and just gather little tips and tricks or whatever you want to call them, golden nuggets on how you can be more efficient with your time here on this earth with your family and how you can enjoy it even more than you already do. So that's the that's the main goal, guys. And today I have an amazing guest for you, Sarah Gamash. She is also known as PNW Huntress on social media. Uh, She goes out and does some amazing things, but little known fact about her, guys, she is quite the entrepreneur. Her and her husband are what I would call a power couple. Uh, They both are crushing each other's goals with each other, separate from each other, just doing amazing things, just an awesome, like I said, power couple. Uh, But Sarah is my guest today. I'm excited to share this conversation with her as she has had some fantastic hunts, Trips, adventures, but also, like I said, an entrepreneurial journey that is super interesting. She's found open doors and just run through them and is also a mother and a wife, like I mentioned. So, just an overall great individual. Before we get into that conversation, I want to share, of course, give a shout out to the show partners and sponsors. First and foremost, of course, First Form and First Form Outdoors. Best supplements on the market, guys, if you need anything from greens, multivitamin, to protein, to some snacks for the mountain, something along those lines, uh, let me know, shoot me a message, I'll guide you in the right direction, I'd love to have a one-on-one chat with you about it, uh, you can either email me or message me, but definitely first form is the way to go in that aspect if you need supplements, uh, also, of course, Fuel and Heather's Choice, my go-to meals for the backcountry, I love those options. They have a lot of gluten free options as well. If you are gluten free like myself and don't want your gut torn up in the backcountry, Black Ovis, all in digiscoping, A3 Archery Bowstrings, Cryptech, which is a new partner of the show, which I'm excited to bring on. I've got some great projects coming up with them. There's a great group of individuals and an amazing company, and also make some pretty cool camo. Kestrel Glassing Systems quattro archery stabilizers absolute aid cbd chewables and of course affect beard oil guys if you have any of those needs for those companies uh shoot me a message i'd love to point you in the right direction save you a little bit of money check out the links down below now of course without further ado let's get into this amazing conversation i had with sarah gamash also known as pnw huntress all right everyone, I've got an amazing guest here. You might know her on Instagram as PNW Huntress, but Sarah Gamash, is it Gamash or Gamash? Gamash. Gamash. Sarah Gamash, and she's just uh, has accomplished so many things. We we're kind of talking ahead of time how um she just finished her degree, her bachelor's degree, but also she's an entrepreneur, she's got a family. Um, She holds down the fort when her husband's away. Like there's so many things going on. I just, I want to share her story so that uh, people out there don't feel alone when you've got a lot going on and you're wanting to get into hunting and fitness and everything else that you enjoy as well. So uh, just give us a rundown, I guess, who are you, Sarah? And uh, what do you do?
1: Well, thanks for having me on. First off, I appreciate the invite. This is exciting. I think the last time we talked, uh, what we ran into each other at one of the TAC events, right? Yeah. So awesome to meet you in person and to now be doing this. Um, yeah, I'm from Washington state. I'm married to, um, my wonderful husband, Caleb, we have two kids together. We are a hunting family. So all of us hunt and, um, for business, I own an ultrasound company and I just started a body sculpting business that I'm going to open in about a month or so. Um, we stay super busy with not just like our hunting adventures, but traveling. We do a lot of international trips and we're just we're an adventurous family so it seems like we're always out doing something whether it's an archery event or a hunt or you know whatever
0: (laughs) yeah no for sure and then I mean you guys have you you've got your own businesses as well right
1: yeah so I just have kind of like with my ultrasound business, I've had that for eight years and I've kind of handed that over to uh, two employees that I have managing that for me. And that was so I could free up some of my time to get the body sculpting business up and going. And then as soon as that kind of is, you know, profitable and word of mouth has gone out and I have a good client flow, I'll hire some employees to manage that business. And then I'll start something else. Yeah. <laughs> I always I never can just be settled, you know, with having two successful businesses, I'll, I'll want to start doing something else. So we'll see what, what the future holds for that.
0: No, for sure. And I think that's, that's amazing. You know, there's something to be said about people that are just constantly, I mean, you're not just trying to fill your time. You're, you're pursuing passions that you have. You, you're genuinely wanting to help other people. You saw, uh, uh I guess a gap in the market when, you know, you started your ultrasound business of. Um, I guess maybe explain a little bit about that. I, I know about it from when we had our kids when, when my wife was pregnant. Um, we didn't go to your clinic necessarily. But that's when when I first heard about this kind of ultrasound. Um, I guess explain a little bit about what that is.
1: Yeah, so I got it done when I was pregnant with my kids. And I had never heard of it at the time either. We actually lived in Tennessee. That's where my husband was stationed at the time when I was pregnant with our daughter, my first child. And my friend had just said, Hey, go find out the sex of the baby and I said well I don't have my doctor's appointment you know for another few weeks and she said oh no you don't have to have the doctor do it you can go to one of these private clinics and just pay out of pocket and so that was the first time I'd heard about it and I looked into it and just go in and I think I was like 13 or 14 weeks in the pregnancy and found out that we were having a girl so I thought the concept was awesome Years and I would really love to start one of these businesses. And of course, he thought I was crazy because I had never done ultrasound. I, I had my bachelor's at that point, I got my bachelor's degree when I was 20 in business and marketing. So for me, I was looking at it as a business opportunity. This is an awesome experience. Women love this. Um, It gives them somewhere to be seen outside of the doctor's office. And there's a need in the market in Washington. So when we moved back a few years later, I started up that business. And then now having owned that business for eight years, I discovered another need in the market, basically talking to my uh, ultrasound clients about how they don't like their body how much their your body changes and after the baby's born how they need to try to get back in shape and so I was like well this body sculpting thing that I've heard of seems like that would be the solution for them and so I already have this whole clientele that's my target market that I can say hey well once you have your baby why don't you come see me for some body sculpting and I had never had body sculpting done before myself and so I went and got trained and certified to learn how to do that and it's kind of weird do it, figuring out how to do that service, but never having it done on yourself. <laughs> um, so after I got back to Washington, cause I did the certification in Texas, I actually started doing it on myself just to see what it was like. So I could have some firsthand experience. So yeah, I'm excited about the body sculpting and I think it's going to um, be very beneficial for a lot of my, my pregnant clients. And then also, you know, the, the rest of the market out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's again, that's amazing that you're I I love finding and meeting people that are all about finding a, a problem and creating a solution for it, not just sitting back and be like, oh, this sucks. And oh, well, someone else will figure it out. You you took it, you took the reins and you went after it. And I think that's that's amazing. And you didn't let a lot of people too. they feel like their families hold them back from what they want to do. And I don't think that's fair pressure to put on kids. Um it's definitely not fair pressure to put on spouses but it's something that I'm sure you and your husband definitely had to communicate cuz this is a big time consumption getting businesses started getting them rolling and keeping them going not just getting them started um so I think that's really important that you know a lot of people can see that you you guys have come out on top and not only that you've got future plans and and you're progressing in that and your kids are doing awesome things. Your kids aren't just sitting around the house on iPads, right? They're out right. doing stuff as well. Um, and they've got their own activities and sports and, and all that, that they're involved in. So I think that's that's amazing that you're able to do all of that. And on top of that, you're able to, to keep in shape. You and your husband are in great physical shape. You're able to go and hike and backpack and do all the things that you need to do to pursue your passions in hunting or um, for him, you know, it, with his career. And, uh, it's just something that is for me, just outstanding to see. So, uh, where did, where did, uh, fitness, I guess, start for you? Um, I mean, was it years ago? Was it more recent? When did you start getting into, I guess, lifting and fitness?
1: Uh, I was definitely more recently. Uh, I had always been like, I always grew up eating very healthy and I kind of just managed my weight and my figure by making sure that I ate very healthy. And, and I just naturally had a body that was uh, receptive to that, that if I ate good, I could maintain a good body, but I wouldn't necessarily say I had good muscle tone because I never worked out. And then I met my husband and he was all about working out. I mean, if anyone listening has seen my husband, you'll see it know immediately that that is his thing. Um, That's His whole family is actually like that. That's kind of their way of dealing with stress is going to the gym. And so even though he was really into it, I would say it took almost 10 years of us being together before I jumped on the bandwagon for that. And I just decided that I wanted to, I was getting older, my body was changing, I wasn't necessarily able to manage it just by eating healthy, like I was able to do in my twenties <laughs> and then also just going on more physically demanding hunts, like a lot of the backcountry country elk hunting and, and hunts, um, for the future that I wanted to do that were going to be more physically demanding. I just knew that I needed to be more prepared for those. So I got into CrossFit, uh, for me, I'm not someone that can just get a membership out of gym go in there and do free weights and come up with my own workouts that's that's where my husband's saying that's what he can do if we had an at-home gym he would use it every day and he'd love it I like doing the classes so I found that CrossFit was perfect for me because I'm in there with other people which I'm competitive so I think it uh, forces me to push myself harder and then I also just need that direction of being told this is the movement you need to do this is how many times you need to do it And then if my form is bad, which most of the time it is, there's someone there that can correct it to make sure I'm not injuring myself.
0: Yeah, no, I I love that. And and that is a good thing for whether it be CrossFit. CrossFit puts you through a lot of high intensity movements. Um, and and if you've got a good coach, which it sounds like you do, they keep your form in shape, which a lot of people say, oh, CrossFit's going to break my back, blah, blah, blah. If you get a good coach, they're going to make sure that you're not lifting too heavy and that you're keeping your technique and form in, in line. But also I love the idea of, you know, a lot of people get overwhelmed when you walk into an EOS or a VASA or a Gold's Gym and and you just walk in, you're like, oh man, like there's so much stuff. What do I do? you know, and, and I, I, I personally, when I do see people that are like that, I like to go and talk to them, but you know, I'm weird. I'm that guy that'll go (laughs) and try and help people out a little bit. But um, most people get overwhelmed. They go one time, maybe for a week, and then they leave because they realize this is too much. So I love that, that you brought that up because CrossFit gyms are great for that, that you can have that camaraderie. People will check in with you. If you're not showing up for a little bit, they'll text Mm -hmm. you and be like, Hey, where are you at? Are you okay?" you know things like that. So yeah. I think that's really awesome. What you've mentioned what why you got into it, but what kept you from it, I guess for those 10 years that you were married to your husband before you started working out
1: um having babies, you know, I think I was just so, I had two children and I was My life was a lot different when we were living in other states because I grew up in Washington. I've lived here my entire life. And when I met my husband, I was uprooted from everything I've ever known, from all my friends, my family, everything I'd built in Washington and moved all the way to the other side of the country to Tennessee. And so that was a huge change for me. And I think that I was trying to adapt to that change. And I had so many other things going on that I just wasn't ready to to take something else on. And and then even when we moved from Tennessee to North Carolina. So we were only in Tennessee for a couple of years. Um, I got a job, a very time-consuming job. And I just um I did do a little bit of working out know, actually when I was um in North Carolina, there was a gym, I think it was the YMCA, and they had um can't remember the name of it, but they were classes. They were not CrossFit classes, but they were workout classes. And I did kind of start my workout journey there. And then when I got to Washington, um I think my husband, I think he was on a deployment and there was a local CrossFit gym that was advertising like a free membership. If you, you know, my husband's really into fitness. He's worked out his whole life. I haven't been into it. I think he would love it. If I did, it would be something else that we could share. And he's on a deployment. He's going to be gone for six months. I would love to be able to go to the gym, work my ass off get this nice toned body and then when he comes home kind of be like surprised you know so I ended up winning that contest and so I got a free like three-month membership to that gym and and so that's kind of like when it really started
0: that's awesome that's really cool and again it's cool to hear that motivation now I'm from North Carolina I grew up right outside of Fort Bragg um, okay what what YMCA was it and was it in Fayetteville it-
1: it was in Fayetteville. Yeah, I worked <laughs> at a law firm called Hutchins Law Firm. Okay. And there's a couple of YMCAs. And so yeah. I'm trying to remember what street that law firm was off of. I should know because I worked there for a few years, but I have a bad memory. Um, So it was like one of the smaller gyms. But yeah, right outside of Fayetteville. And we lived in Sanford at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. You know
1: where mm-hmm. that is. Um, so we had a little bit of drive. We didn't really want to be right in Fayetteville, but
0: <laughs> that I'm was all a yeah, culture talk for
1: me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Fayetteville's definitely a different place. I don't ever recommend people uh live there. <laughs> yeah. It's don't associate
1: Fayetteville with like how North Carolina is. Because North mm-hmm. Carolina is a beautiful state. But um yeah, we were able to kind of sightsee and check out and even go down into South Carolina is beautiful nice. and Charleston and those types of places.
0: Yeah, for sure. And i I definitely wow. prefer the western half of North Carolina, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's so different and especially going in the fall when the leaves change oh yeah. oh my goodness Florida. there's nothing like oh. it there's nothing yeah. like it
1: we went and visited the biltmore during the hmm. fall and that whole area over there is just yeah the colors are amazing
0: yeah no for sure there's so much history over there it's it was weird for me moving out west after growing up in north carolina and people like no one knew about the civil war and stuff like that. And I and I grew up going to Civil War reenactments every summer. We'd go and watch <laughs> yeah. them. They live for like a week, just like the Civil War guys did. Um, I have like pieces of cannonball shells and stuff, bullets oh, wow. from the Civil War that my grandparents would till up on their land. Um, like it was just it it's crazy That's history cool. over there. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, my yeah, husband did that too.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, so you 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 got into fitness. You uh, you had some really good motivators for that, and then now you've kept it disciplined that way. You've you've because again, and I talk about this a lot, just like most people do. Motivation's great; it gets your butt off the couch. But well, in your case, maybe out of mom life, right for a little (laughs) bit, (laughs) because you weren't necessarily on the couch; you were just running ragged with the kids. (laughs) Um, But you know, got got you to a gym, and then what I guess kept you that way. You mentioned hunting, how you noticed it was a little bit more physically demanding the stuff you guys were doing. Um, is, is that kind of a main motivator that and keeping yourself healthy?
1: Yeah, that, and just setting a good example for my kids. It was really awesome when I got into it, how, my kids kind of you know decided hey maybe this is something we want to do like for my husband it was just always like that's dad that's a normal thing for him that's like breathing air but then when <laughs> i started it it seemed like they took notice to it a little bit more and it like the crossfit gym had a kids class so we started taking our kids to that and my daughter has like this crazy natural strength that she gets from her dad's side of the family And so it was pretty cool getting to see what what she was capable of in the gym. So that was a huge motivator for me that like, I needed to keep on this. Um, There were plenty of times when I had to,
0: you know that are
1: in it that will stay on me and be like hey you weren't at the gym this morning what's going on so there's a number of factors but I I do know like my my husband enjoys it like he likes to see the changes that I'm making I think he probably notices I'm happier in general like it is a good stress reliever and that when stuff's getting crazy in life and I haven't gone to the gym it it probably shows (laughs) Mm. so um him appreciating it and giving me encouragement you know, encouraging words definitely helps with the motivation as well.
0: No, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a big deal. Like you mentioned that the kids noticed that you started going, even though it was normal for dad, right? Um, mm-hmm. when, when you started going, the kids kind of picked up on that. And it, it's really important that I just want to highlight that you guys encouraged that interest. Uh, I think a lot of parents would sit back and they're like, oh, yeah, well, we go. And that's, you know, that is what it is. And they leave it at that. I, I love the fact that you keyed in on on that they were interested or at least asking questions. And you're like, hey, just let's go take a class. You know, um, yeah. And we're here. You're, there's no like you don't have to go to it for a year or two years. Like, let's go and, and see if you enjoy it. And uh, I, again, I think that that's that's a big thing for for parents, because a lot of parents either want to force their kids into things or they don't catch those little clues when the kids start asking questions about different, whatever it is that they're doing. And, uh, and that little interest could change things, you know, for, for the child and their whole direction in life. So I think oh, yeah. that's, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. And it went very well, uh, hand in hand with the jujitsu. Cause both of my kids do jujitsu, which is a very physically demanding sport. So adding that to their regimen, we're kind of able to explain like the benefits of staying in shape and it's good directly cross over to their, uh, jujitsu training. So they, they realize.
0: Oh, that's really awesome. Uh, so let, I guess let's talk a little bit about, so I'm looking behind you. Sorry. I think we froze up there for a minute. there we go okay um
1: if i'm just staring at you blankly and you've asked me a question it's because you're frozen no yeah <laughs> so you're I good I, I, there's been a couple nervous.
0: moments where it's oh. cut out but that's okay. that is what it, it just that is what it is uh so there and behind you you've got an interesting animal i forgot the name of that
1: oh the sable yeah the
0: sable okay i yeah. always get them mixed up like ibex sable um yeah. so you you guys have been on some really awesome trips that I've seen. I like that mount. That's actually really interesting. I've never seen one done like that. So is that the cape so, that's turned yeah. into okay. which
1: I originally seen it done with a zebra? A zebra is actually hmm. more popular animal to do this with, but yeah, they turned it into the shape of South Africa or of Africa, awesome. the whole continent. But I got the stable in South Africa. So yeah, it takes up a lot of room on the wall. My husband wasn't actually thrilled about that and his, uh, <laughs> that is a world record wildebeest that he shot oh, really? with his bow. So we kind of turned the upstairs into our, uh, see, there's a kudu over here. Oh, this there you like go. Our, our Africa room for now.
0: <laughs> no, that I think that's cool. I don't think I've ever seen one mounted like that before. And I, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a huge, uh, full mount guy, I just mm-hmm. I look at it I'm like I don't want to see the animal staring back at me but that one actually has has it has my interest um, I'm a big Euro guy I, I love those okay. those ideas but uh, anyway that that's really cool so I guess you guys are really big into bow hunting I don't think I've ever seen you guys with a rifle um do you guys do both do you mix it up a little bit or is it mainly bow hunting? um
1: yeah so every year in idaho i do a rifle hunt for whitetail that's just kind of i've hunted there for about 20 years it's where my family lives and i just have always done rifle and then the only other time i've really done rifles is when i have to like when i went to scotland for instance a few years ago they don't let you bow hunt in scotland you have to do rifle so i did shoot my red stag there oh. with a rifle um so we we enjoy shooting guns but especially me personally if I can do my bow, I will for sure. Always. Um, my husband actually shot a really good mule deer with a rifle in November in Oregon. Okay, so, so that
0: was rifle. Okay.
1: Yeah. He, he had a rifle take for that. So for him, I think he, he's not as picky. He doesn't care, but for me, I would prefer archery. Always.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so and that that was a beautiful mule deer that I saw. I just I I guess I didn't pick up that it was rifle, but either way, like you guys have been on some amazing hunts. Um, you guys are constantly seeming to to find different trips and get outdoors uh, as much as possible, which I think is awesome. Um, but what I guess you you said that just tying the fitness into hunting, um, wanting to tie those two things together, the fitness and hunting, what, um. I guess, what hunt have you noticed a difference from before when you weren't working out maybe as much till now? Like, what's something that maybe has stood out to you? Maybe a story you want to share on a, on a hunt?
1: Uh, I would say definitely the place that I elk hunt here in Washington, it's it, the spot that I go to is extremely hard to get to. And it's mostly because the hike is like straight up and not very many people know how to get to this area there's like one it's like rocks like that are I don't, I don't know how tall they are but there's like a trail that goes up between them and it, you climb a lot of elevation in a short period of time and I've been doing that climb since I was a little girl like my dad used to take us up there and then my brother and I started hunting up there when we were in our teenage years and even when I was young that hike took a lot out of me. Like it killed me and my brother would always beat me to the top and it drove me crazy because I'm so competitive and then once I started working out and really getting in shape and training I was able to bomb up that hill and I was able to beat my brother and so that was kind of like my feather in my ass and he he was with me one of the times he's like dang he's like you know that's impressive like I really see a change in your cardio and your stamina and being able to do this versus when we did it years ago when we were younger and um, so that's always amazing to me that even being maybe 10 or 15 years older that I was actually in better physical fitness and able to get up that quicker than when I was like in my early twenties. And you would think you're supposed to be in better shape then, you know,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. And that, that's cool that you guys had that experience. Cause, um, and it's interesting, you know, that sibling, that sibling rivalry still continued on. And, uh, I don't think that ever ends, right? If you find something that you yeah. guys compete at. Uh, but that that's really cool because again, you're seeing over 10, 15 years an increase. And for a lot of people, it might seem like a lot of time. But I'm looking back 10 years ago and I'm like, man, that was like it seems like it was yesterday. And so, you know, starting today for people, and I know, you know, by the time this comes out, um, it'll be probably after New Year's. So um, a lot of people will be getting on that the bandwagon of, of working out in fitness, but yeah. I love to to see people start whenever that bug hits, right? Uh, whatever it is that, that makes you want to go out and do it, don't just follow the bandwagon necessarily, but stick with it even on the days that you don't necessarily want to so that you can have just like you had that amazing experience where you're able to recognize that maybe your brother's either at least we'll just say maintaining his level of fitness and you're superseding that over time. So I think that's, that's a really cool story.
1: Yeah. And I've definitely seen it like on an elk hunt, even in not in this area where I hunt, but in Colorado, a buddy of mine took me out and he owns a CrossFit gym. So he is in immaculate shape and he kicked my ass on this head. And I, there was a couple other guys with us too. I was the only female and I definitely didn't want to be the one that was like holding the group back. And they're all like in a way better shape that I was in. But if I wasn't in the shape I was, there was no way I could have even remotely kept up with these guys. And I felt like I did a dang good job. Like I, you know, didn't force us to have to stop and take breaks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I, I kind of held my own and that, that was very rewarding for me. And I, I did spend quite a bit of time training, extra training, training harder, leading up to the hat, knowing it, how physically demanding it was going to be. And then the other thing that I say that was pretty cool that I saw happen was when I did my Cape Buffalo hunt. <laughs> I, I was told I had to get up to like 75 to 80 pounds on my bow and I was currently only shooting 60. So I trained for an entire year, extra hard, doing extra workouts, sometimes two a day to be able to slowly work up to that 75 pound, you know, benchmark that I had for my bow for that hunt. So that's something I I wouldn't have even been able to, to actually go out and do if I had not kept up my physical fitness and training for that specifically.
0: No, for sure. And for people that aren't necessarily into archery, which I'm sure most of my audience is, but jumping 15 pounds, jumping five pounds for some people is like ripping your shoulder off. But Mm -hmm. going, you know, 15 pounds, uh, a lot of people don't even shoot 70 pound bows. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no you know measurement, whatever status, but like certain hunts uh, that you can not even go on without being able to shoot that poundage. Um, that's just going back to being limitless, whether it be in the mountains or on the plains of Africa. I mean, that's, you know, being able to, to add those 15 pounds and go on this hunt that you wanted to go on and tell us a little bit about this hunt. Cause I've seen some clips. Okay, guys, brief intermission here. Just wanted to personally invite you to come join me over at Redbeard's Fit Crew on Facebook. And of course the First Form Outdoors crew as well. Those two groups are the really the only reasons why I still have a Facebook, guys, to be honest with you. Amazing community uh, page that you can go in there, share your goals with other individuals that are also goal-oriented and want to just simply better their lives. And uh, let's be honest, guys, we all need a good community around us. And that's one beauty of social media is you can meet people that you will never have met before in your life. Uh, And without the internet connecting you, you may not have ever met them at all, so definitely go check out those two groups. Here's your personal invite. If you go over to First Form Outdoors, let them know Redbeard sent you. Uh, and if you're not in the Redbeard's Fit Crew, what are you doing? No, I'm I'm just kidding, guys, but not really. I want you over there. I want to see you over there. So come join us. Love to see you there. And now let's get back to the conversation. We had a little internet issue there uh, with with the Cape Buffalo hunt that you got to go on. So we were talking about the fact that. Um, you know, you were able to up your poundage, which again speaks to the level of fitness because you were able to, to manipulate and and strengthen those muscles that are required to be able to pull extra poundage. And, um, like I was saying, going limitless in, in, in this case, the plains of Africa, not necessarily, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the mountains, but so what, I guess, tell us a little bit about this hunt. I I've seen some clips, um, you got charged, you know, there's yeah, some stuff that happened there. So, so tell us a little bit about that, because that that seems pretty. People see Cape Buffalo and like they're cool and they look like cows with yeah. horn, with antler or horns, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But they're a little bit more aggressive than that. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> so walk yeah. us through that. They're one of the most aggressive animals in Africa and responsible for killing. I think more people in Africa than any other animal besides. I think the hippo is the only one. Um, besides that but yeah it was just a hunt I don't even know how I came up with the idea of wanting to do it I'd hunted Africa a couple times and I think my ph put a bug in my ear that hey you should go for Cape Buffalo and well, I thought you I just obviously- googled
0: most dangerous hunt in Africa <laughs> <Yeah. and> like- <laughs>
1: yeah no i'm pretty sure it was my ph that he always you know gets these ideas in my head which i don't know why because then after i agreed to do it then he was so nervous about the hunt because he does he will not take very many people bow hunting for cape buffalo in fact not very many guides will uh, sorry what's a
0: ph just for people that are are listening
1: professional hunter
0: okay so it's a
1: guide it's like what they call the guides in, in africa um So most of them won't even agree to take someone boat hunting. Um, And if they do 99% of the time, it's going to be from a blind or a tree stand of something where you're not on the ground eye level with these animals because they are known for charging you. And then in the areas that you're hunting them, there's no place to go to really escape. It's not like you can climb a tree. (laughs) There's no barriers between you and them. And if they're going to come trample you, you're pretty much done for. And then once you wound them, like the recovery is actually probably even more dangerous when they're wounded and really pissed off. So yeah, so he put the idea in my head on one of my trips there. And I said, well, yeah, give me a year to train for this, get my arrow build, work up to the poundage I need to be. You tell me what your expectations and requirements are of me from this hunt and, you know, we'll come up with a plan. So we had, I came and tell you how many conversations over that year talking about how we wanted the hunt to go down. So By the time I got there, I felt like we were very prepared. And yeah, we went out, I was supposed to have a cameraman with me, the cameraman canceled. There was a bunch of crazy stuff going on in Johannesburg at the time. It was so it would have been two years ago, where they were having the riots and people were getting killed. And Johannesburg was right where I was flying into. So my cameraman was like, nope not doing it i was like i'm still going i'm going i'll go by myself so i flew to africa by myself um so when we went out for the hunt how it's supposed to work is there's supposed to be two phs each carrying a rifle and then me with my bow and then there's like two trackers that come along for once we hit the animal for blood tracking and i just want to
0: pause you there like it sounds protective having the two rifles there but anyone that has either has gone hunting at all with a rifle can understand that if a deer can get hit with one or two solidly placed shots and still run off, what is a Cape Buffalo going to do with two, maybe three, maybe if you're lucky, you get three or four shots off before it gets to you. Like just the thought of that, just, it's cool that they had their rifles, but even then it's like, you're not getting right. away
1: <laughs> yeah well when people say that like i've had negative comments oh well how scary was it when you have two people with rifles well for one i don't know about other people but i don't like depending on others to save my life like i just don't so i'm trusting these two men that and yeah it's one thing when it's a deer in front of you but when you have a kate buffalo charging at you like are they going to be able to react in time like i mean i knew that my page was experienced with this he had he had been charged by buffalo several times but like in the heat of the moment when your adrenaline's going and they're trying to save their own lives and save my life. And not only that, but a lot of people get killed during animal attacks when the person tries to shoot the animal attacking and accidentally shoots the person, <laughs> you know, shoots their buddy. Like that's happened a lot, especially in bear attacks. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even the bear that killed the person. It was their buddy accidentally shooting them. So it's not as, you know, it, I didn't feel as safe as you might think I would have having. And, the, and just for there.
0: perspective for people that, you know, are listening here, you can go Google it, but they can get up. Bulls can get up to 2000 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like that's twice the size of an elk. Like, yeah, and I, I watched plenty
1: of uh, videos where they were shot multiple times head on, and it did, didn't even phase them. It was like shooting them with a BB gun. It's just amazing. I shouldn't mm. have even watched the videos before I went, but <laughs> so well to make matters worse. So you're supposed to have two PHs with guns, but because my cameraman didn't show up, I asked one of the PHs to forfeit his gun and to take a camera. So now we're down to one PH because it was so important to me that I wanted it filmed. And so the plan was, is that one pH would have the gun. One would have the camera. And then one of the skinners who had never gone out on like a young kid who had never gone out on one of these hunts was going to carry the rifle. And so when the Buffalo was going to charge us, the pH with the camera was going to drop the camera, turn and grab the rifle oh, from the Jesus. skinner so that then we had the two rifles, you know, back in play. So they explained this to the skinner. Hey, you have to stay up close to us. When this thing charges us, which it will, it's guaranteed it's going to happen. You cannot run. You need to hand me this gun and make sure this all goes smoothly. Well, of course, the first time this thing charges us, it's full chaos. And I think it was at like 40 yards when it decided it was going to come at us. And so the pH drops the camera. He goes and turns to grab the gun from the kid. And the kid is running the other direction. (laughs) And he hits the ground, he's in fetal position, holding the gun like this in a bush, and he's like, pretty much crying. And I was like, oh, okay, good, this is, I'm going to die.
0: <laughs> <This is not laughs> You're no calling way. your husband like, hey, uh, you know, if I don't come back, at least we'll have a nice day you know, Buffalo Mount. like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the whole time the, my pH was just like, are you sure you don't want to do this from a blind? Are you sure? And I was like, no, this is the only way we're doing it. Like we were doing spot and stop doing it on foot. Like I've decided. So I think he hoped that would scare me enough that I'd changed my mind, but I was like, we're already here. We have the Buffalo we're doing, it. we're just going to keep going. So mm. he did mock charges like three times. And so I do have the mop charges, like the first couple seconds of it. But the reason why we don't have the full, the full video is because the cameraman is having to drop the camera and grab the rifle. So yeah, that's
0: yeah. the story. <laughs> the story. <laughs> I don't blame uh, him.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we, the other problem is, you know, you talk about them being such a big animal and the, my pH is telling me you need to be within 25 yards or closer to make a good ethical shot for penetration reasons. Cause their skin is like so thick. Well, for one, they're covered in mud. So they have dried mud and then the skin and then the ribs and you have to get through the ribs. So he didn't want me being any further than 25 yards. So when we're stocking this thing and it's so huge, he's you know ranging for me and i'm saying okay like we're at 25 yards and he's like no we're at 40 yards But like, how are we at 40 yards like we still have to close like 15 to 20 more yards there's no way and so it's so yeah misleading
0: and they can close how- that distance probably in two or three steps i mean like
1: they can yeah so yeah. it uh-huh. was just it was crazy and then it this bull was smart and when when he would finally decide to stop and face it like turn to us he would always be straight on. He would never give us a broadside shot. I'm probably straight on because you know, he's going to charge us. It's a natural position for them to be in before they charge. And so finally, like towards the end of the hunt, my PH was like, you might just have to take a frontal, which I've never taken a frontal on an animal. I've never mm-hmm. really wanted to. And so now thinking how hard it's going to be to take down a Cape Buffalo, and I've had this plan in my head how it's going to go down, and we've just thrown that all out the door. And now I have to take a frontal. And so in the clip that's on my page, probably the one that you've seen, he actually gives he um he's like quartered, I think he's like quartered two, or he's almost wanting to be front to us. And then he goes broadside for just a second and everyone's like, Okay, go, go, now like now's your time. This is the only time during the whole hunt, he's gone broadside. So I knew I had to like mm-hmm. Get it done. There's no room for air. There's no letting your nerves and adrenaline get to you like you have to get the job done. And after being mop charged three times, you can imagine how fast my heart's beating. And my Ph had literally just told me after the third time, he said, I've done this enough with rifle hunters that this thing is coming all the way for us. Like they give their warnings. But this, he's so pissed off at this point. Like you have to get this done, else we could die. So no pressure. <laughs> and now he's outside. I bet. Broadside, so I bet Joel.
0: Joel Turner's loving. If he listens to this one, oh, he's yeah. gonna love here in the go 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 now
1: now. up <laughs> his guidance and how much time I've spent with him to know to do my shot process. So I actually did go through my shot process with that animal, which is the first thing he asks me. I could send him a picture of any animal on this planet <laughs> and people like, that's awesome. You want to know what Joel? First question asked every time. Did,
0: did you, you know how that process? shot was going to go?
1: Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that shot? So <laughs> yep. yeah, I knew that that was going to be important, especially with that hunt specifically. So it all came together. I did it with one arrow. And i I mean, my goals were, I did not want to have to have it put down with a rifle. I wanted to do it spot and stock on foot with mm-hmm. my bow. And it all came together. So I was extremely happy about that. So Man, that's crazy. now that I've done that, I just booked a trip for Argentina to do water buffalo in April with my bow. So that's wow. my next. I don't think they're as aggressive, but it'll be a fun hunt.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. I haven't even like those kind of hunts don't even cross my mind. I'm more uh, like red stag in New Zealand, or I was really thinking Scotland until you just mentioned yes. that you have to hunt with a rifle, which still sounds cool but I was thinking bow hunting. So I might have to go to Spain yeah. instead um, and, uh, and check out the red stags there. And, and I, I love the idea of Spain, uh, the culture behind it. I lived in Mexico for two years. So I, oh, yeah. I would love, love to go see Spain and just that, that culture intrigues me a lot. Um, But man, that's intense. Let's, I guess let's talk, let's touch on what happens after, you know, you kill the animal um, and then you're harvesting the meat and the head and everything. Um, I'm sure you didn't ship all of that meat home. What happens with the meat just for people that maybe are interested in these hunts or even people that maybe don't hunt and are just thinking that you're just going around the world, killing all these awesome animals. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So what, what happens with that meat?
1: So it's really unfortunate because it's actually our own government that has outlawed bringing meat from Africa into the States. So it is never by the hunter's choice that we decide to leave the meat behind. It is because of the rules of the government. And it's not like that with every country. I'm getting ready to do a a New Zealand red steak hunt in March, and they actually let you bring the meat back in. So I'm bringing the meat home from that hunt. But Africa, Mm. they do not allow it. So what happens to that meat is they will butcher it up. And the outfitter will either sell it. They kind of leave, you know, you kind of have to work with the outfitter and see what's going to work best. They either sell that meat on the meat market or you can choose to have it donated. And mm-hmm. so I've done both in both scenarios where there's places that we could easily take the meat to have it donated. Some of it goes to the workers. Some of the workers that help in these outfits are a little bit more in, come from destitute situations. So the meat goes home with them, but it definitely does not go to waste. Like there is not a circumstance where you're shooting an animal, cutting the head off in the body is out there rotting them I mean I have pictures of us bringing it back of it being butchered um, we always eat as much meat as we can while we're there so all the meals that are prepared are from the animals that we've killed so I did get to eat some of my buffalo which kind of it was awesome but kind of sucked because I got to see how good it tastes and then know that I couldn't mm. take it home with me um but just knowing that it is going to good use you know like that's partly what yeah. i do hunt for is for me and so if i can't personally eat the meat i need to know that it's going somewhere to someone that is going to eat it
0: exactly yeah and that's that's the thing too is you know a lot of people i'm not uh i guess a trophy hunter as people might might call it when you go out and hunt lions and giraffes and all that um that's not necessarily for me but i also i've looked into it enough to understand that they gets donated. It, and it also helps with the tribes as they're planting or whatever their, their, uh, their farm life is out there uh, or even their livestock. If you're going out there hunting after going after lions or whatever other predatory animals, um, it's just like here where for them, that's their livelihood. That's their, that that's their livestock. i mean that's literally their livestock. So they um, you know, being able to help out with the lion population out there as well. Some people that go out there and hunt lions, you know, they they either donate the meat or they're helping those tribes be able to survive a little bit better. So yeah. Um I, I think that's awesome. And I it's it does suck that you got to to try it and not bring it home. Um, so it was really good. Or what would you compare it to? I guess some game meat that you've had around here in the US. What would you compare the game meat from water or from the Cape Buffalo to here in the U.S.? Is it more like bison, elk, moose, cow? Uh,
1: it's kind of a combination between bison and elk, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, yes. it's a pretty mild meat in regards to it's not like gamey, like some people use mm. the term. For me, they think that I wouldn't say that it had much of a, a gamey taste to it. But it was very rich in flavor, like a very rich meat.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And then, uh, and what, I mean, just for the, for the arrow junkies out there, what's the, um, what was the weight of your arrow and kind of your setup that you ended up dialing it into?
1: I think the final weight was close to 750 grains. It was a serious brand arrow and a tough head broadhead. And I, if I remember right, I think the broadhead was 300 grains. So Yeah. And it was actually Troy Fowler that helped me with the setup with that. And he works with the Ashby foundation. And I think Ashby, you know, like even had some input on, on the build of it. And so I had him build the area arrows earlier in the year. And then I actually met him in Texas. My daughter was there for a girls Texas hunting camp and Mm -hmm. it was on a ranch. And so I asked the ranch if I could come along and do a hunt because I wanted to test the arrows. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to do an Oryx when I was there. And so Troy came and, um, unfortunately I didn't get the opportunity on Oryx, so that was kind of a bummer. So I didn't get to put the arrows to use like I had wanted to. So I was kind of really trusting him that he has a lot of experience in that. Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of other people that had used that exact, basically arrow setup that was successful. So I kind of had to put my faith, faith in that. And it worked. It was, it was the perfect setup.
0: Was it a single bevel double bevel, you know?
1: Um, it was single,
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounded like a Troy arrow, a ranch ferry arrow for people that don't know Troy's, Troy's actual name. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's awesome that he was able to help you out with that. Um, and, uh, that man, that's, that's such an interesting experience. I can't, I can't imagine like a 2000 pound animal. I'm going to be helping my buddy with a bison hunt in January and, uh, and down here in the Henry mountains here in Utah. And those, I mean, those bison get probably I think 2000 pounds are probably about the same size as the Cape Buffalo. Um, yeah. but it'll be interesting to be that close to, to animals. Cause I know even at Yellowstone, when you go through Yellowstone and you're able to get kind of close to them, you're still kind of like, yeah, I know you can go zero to 60 in like two seconds. So we're not, am yeah. <laughs> not getting any closer.
1: <laughs> 25 fun, yards, huh? yeah. 25
0: yards. That's insane. That's insane. Um, well, cool. So you've got some other things coming up. Um, as far as hunts planned and everything like that um, but you know during during the holidays do you turn back into kind of a normal human being when you've got <laughs> where you've got family and uh, you just kind of kick back and you're able to relax a little bit and spend time with family
1: yeah I definitely try I mean right now I still have a late deer season and I um would take my I had been taking my daughter out for that because she had a deer tag and uh, I think I'm probably done deer hunting now, though. I'm not not really feeling it now that we have family coming and mm-hmm. we're kind of getting into the, the holiday gear of things. I think my next big venture is I'm going to the Julian Ranch in January. They have a women's hunting camp. And I'm going to be an instructor at that talking about uh, solo hunting and how to, I have a a lot of people that reach out to me specifically women that want to get more into hunting but they're currently like dependent on their husband or a male partner and mm-hmm. they want to become more independent and they are even looking into wanting to do solo hunting so this is kind of going to be a class that's like an introduction to how to get started into doing that so i'm very excited about that and i think there's a a 3d archery shoot at the end of the weekend and then I I think I kind of have the month of February off for now. And then March, I'm going to go to the New Zealand hunt. Mm -hmm. April's Argentina. Uh, End of May is going to be Hawaii. I'm doing another Africa trip.
0: So (laughs) I,
1: I like to stay busy. In fact, I do this every year. I just jam pack my schedule. And then in the middle of all of it, I look at my husband and I'm like, why did I do this? And he's like, well, here's the thing. Next year, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't overbook. (laughs) And then every year, like by January, the whole year is booked. And he's like, why are you doing this? And I was like, I don't know. It's just how I am. I enjoy enjoy the lifestyle. But yeah, it's definitely a balancing act, trying to balance the time with the family. And it makes it easier now that my kids are getting older. Like when, for instance, when we go to Hawaii, they're coming with us. My husband's gonna go out and hunt while I stay and do stuff with the kids, take them to the beach, go snorkeling, do all the fun stuff, and then he'll come and we'll switch and then I'll mm. go hunt. So we really try to find ways to bring our kids with us on as much of these things as possible. We've tried taking them to Africa, but they don't wanna do the plane ride. They say it's too long <laughs> of a ride. So I was like Only you, the most spoiled, rotten children would say, no, I don't want to go to Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. When they get older, they will be more willing to do that. So yeah, I mean, just like you said, I I have my business and
0: Yeah. So with, I mean, this is something that again, impresses me about you and your husband, uh, you know, I call them power couples. You guys both have these dreams and and goals and you don't just sit down, sit back and leave them at that. You guys have literally shaped your lives and your careers being able to do all of these things. And that is a lot of traveling. Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily be up for it, but you know, being able to go out, and do all these different hunts and travel the world and then bring your kids along with you. Um, you guys have really chosen this. I mean, this is something that you've built over the years. This wasn't something that happened overnight. You know, mm-hmm. you, you saw, a, again, a gap in the market with the old, uh, the ultrasound clinics, and now you've started another business and you're setting it up so that you can trust these people to manage those clinics and you can go off and pursue what you're doing. So you're still providing the service that you wanted to provide. And yet you have that you're providing that time so that you can be the mom you want to be, the wife you want to be, but also the hunter that you want to be or the huntress that you want to be. And I kind of wanted to talk about that as well. Um, I know it, hunting in general on social media, there's there's some things that get portrayed in a bad light and there's other things that get portrayed in almost like they're they don't want to mention the nitty-gritty of hunting. Um, you know, you've got those the people with pictures that are holding up, you know, the heart and they're anyway, there's just there's some really bad pictures that people take um that put hunting in a bad light. And I know you've mentioned it before on other podcasts about how you came up with um the PW Huntress, but kind of walk us through that. I know you you got started pretty much before social media was even a big thing. So um walk us through maybe that journey a little bit
1: well my dad started hunting with me when i was a little girl and so i've been doing it you know since like age 11 i think is when i went through hunter safety and i just knew immediately that was going to be my lifestyle i didn't in the beginning when i was young necessarily do it because i really wanted to kill an animal i don't think at 11 years old that's your mentality but Mm -hmm. i did it to spend time with my dad and i enjoyed being in the woods and you know, I had other siblings and he was divorced from my mom. So I had limited time with him. And that was just like so special, those hunting trips that I had. And I knew that, that he enjoyed it and it was going to be memories that would last a lifetime. And it wasn't really until I was, I think I was 19 when I I started solo hunting and really started taking it serious. My, my brother was much more into hunting on early age and more serious about it than I was and I kind of just half-ass was doing it between like 11 and 19, and like I said, just kind of going out with my dad and my brother. Even though he was younger than me, he was more ambitious and more into it and more successful. And I just started looking at him and how he was doing, it. and I was like, well, he's just much more committed. And if I want to make this a lifestyle so and be successful, I need to be more committed in how much time I'm I'm spending out there. So I started solo hunting, and I shot my first deer on a solo hunt when I was 19, a blacktail here in Washington. And it was just kind of at that moment that I knew, yep, I'm, this is what I'm going to continue to do. I immediately got that confidence that I could be independent with it. And that if my dad couldn't take me out or it wasn't going off my brother, I could do it on my own. And I kind of just coined this um, nickname of the huntress, like in my small town, because there weren't very many other women doing that. And they, it kind of just stuck. And you probably, if you listen to the Elk Shape podcast I just did, I talked about that it was like my MySpace name was Huntress, and I had a license plate that said Huntress. And Wait, that was,
0: MySpace? What's MySpace? No, <laughs> right, like I'm just party. kidding. I remember that. Know what that
1: is? <laughs> yeah. So old school. So yeah, that was just kind of what it always was for me, and there was no negative connotation to it at all. In fact, it was kind of like an empowering term. You know, this woman that goes out and can do this on her own and you know doesn't need the help of a man with her to do this and and then it kind of changed and evolved over time with social media you know becoming more popular and different platforms popping up like Facebook and Instagram and then now you have some girls on there that have decided oh you can get a lot of attention by being a female hunter and maybe it wasn't something that they grew up doing or even are that passionate about but they just see the side of the attention of it and so then they're posting some of the pictures like maybe what you're referring to that aren't the best of taste Mm -hmm. not very tasteful and you can kind of see that they're doing it for the wrong reasons and so they started creating calling themselves huntresses and so now that has a, a negative connotation in the hunting industry and it's kind of unfortunate and I like I've said before, I kind of debate if that's how I want to brand myself, continue to brand myself. But everyone I talk to says I just need to stick with it and keep my authenticity and people that follow me know that that's who I really am. And those are my roots and might not be the same as some of the other women out there doing it for the wrong reasons.
0: No, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that aspect of it. The fact that, and I love that you brought up, you know, that, that's what I think of when I think of, of a huntress or a hunter is, you know, the love of the pursuit of the animal, because that's why it's not just called killing or slaughtering or whatever you want to call it. Like we, we hunting, I don't know how many days I've spent in the mountains and uh, I only notched one tag, but I I got to help so many other people and the thrill of being part of the hunt, walking people in on animals, being the spotter, et cetera. Like, all of that is something that I'm I'm super passionate about. And even so much so after this, this year that I've discovered that's something that I really enjoy. Yes, I would love to tag out on my own animal, but being able to help other people as well is something that's huge and that pursuit of it. And so the fact that you brought that up you know, that it's, it's a strong woman that doesn't need a man. I'm sure. Actually, I don't know. I've heard really bad stories about men and women hunting together with, uh, with their spouses. We can get into that later. (laughs) But, uh, you know, as far as like being a strong woman that enjoys the pursuit of the hunt, you enjoy being outside. And the fact that you're wanting to help other women as well, find that passion. And you're going out and you're helping with these camps that are women only camps, which I think there's more coming up. But mm-hmm. they, it needs to continue to grow. And, and if anything, for women to also understand why their husbands want to do it so much. I mean, that's another big right. thing, too, because sometimes <laughs> some women are going to want to go to these camps. and They're going to realize I don't like doing this, just like some men go on a hunt and they're like, I don't like the skinning and all the other stuff that goes with hunting. Like, it's not what I thought it was, but mm-hmm. you'll at least gain that appreciation for, right. for what it is.
1: Mm -hmm. So I think
0: that's amazing that you get to go out and do that and that you're willing to, to share your passion with others. So I would agree with all the other people that have told you don't change that name. I think, you know, it'll ebb and flow just like social media does. And you're showing that you've been there since MySpace, which, you know, (laughs) people can look up what MySpace is and your top five songs and everything on there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And uh, you've been doing it since, since before social media. So I definitely would not change that and just keep your message of strong women, the enjoy the pursuit of the hunt and being outdoors. Like that's just, that's amazing. Um, Thank you. I, I don't, do you have any other, I guess anything else that we haven't touched on? We've talked about some amazing things. you live an awesome life. Like you've laid it out. You and your husband <laughs> yeah. have genuinely like, this wasn't something that just laid in your lap. You guys mm-hmm. planned this whole thing out. You guys have taken years and years. You guys are prepping for his retirement And he's retiring into a passion, you know, not just something that he's going to sit back and be like, oh, man, I'm aching from my years in the military because he's done some amazing things as well. Um, You know, you guys are going to continue to just improve. So I love seeing that and uh, and the goals that you guys have. But is there anything else that we haven't touched on that maybe you want to share with the audience or the listeners?
1: Uh, I guess just like on that note of what you just said, I get a lot of messages of people that say, oh, I wish I could have your life. You have such a great life. And I always respond, you can, you can have that life. We built up to this lifestyle. It was a long journey. I just didn't, like I said, start at 11 years old and traveling to Africa and going on all these hunts. Like It has definitely evolved over time. And there were years plenty of years where I didn't even get a go hunting. Like when we were moving state from state or my husband was deployed or was pregnant or whatever, like there's things that life throws at you and maybe you miss a season. So I haven't just always had this spectac- spectacular life that you see on social media. And like with everything, social media is like the highlights of my life. So there there's negatives too. like, there are plenty of days when I come home, and like, what am I doing? Or like, when I told you, I'd say to my husband, like, oh my gosh, like I need a break. <laughs> and so it happens. Um, I think like, especially if you're married or have a partner, like communication is key. Understanding like what that person's goals are, explaining to them what your goals are coming up with a game plan on how you guys can both meet those goals. Like my husband, he actually hates traveling because he travels internationally for the army so much that travel to him has always meant work and going to third world countries and living pretty miserable and pretty miserable situations so when he got home from his deployment then here I am hey let's go to Africa let's go to Scotland and he's like (laughs) no I don't want to do that I want to be at home with my kids and I'm like well I was just with the kids for six months so I want to go do this stuff so having to communicate like him, luckily he's an extremely um, supportive husband and understanding that this is my passion would say, well, I don't necessarily want to go, but Hey, I have no problem. If you want to go, like if you feel comfortable going to Africa and doing that, huh? I mean, go for it, babe. Like I'd love you to go do that. And so that's why some of the stuff I do is on my own. So it just comes down to good communication, having a good support system, and then just easing into it, you know, writing down your goals on paper and maybe they're like six months goals, or maybe you're just making your goals for the year. Um, we also have a great financial planner. You probably know Jeff Bynum. I met him on elk shape camp. He's really been able to sit down with us over the last year and figure out our finances and what we can afford as far as going on these types of hunts. So there's a lot of different resources. I'm an open book an open door. You know, if you, if you want to reach out to me through my social media and have questions, um, I do a lot of group hunts throughout the year. So my New Zealand hunt is actually a group hunt. I'm taking, I think there's nine people going. You probably actually know a lot of them um, that are coming, people that are um, big into archery, um, that I go on these group hunts. So I find outfitters and I say, hey, you know, how big of a group do I need to bring you for us to have a discount? And I want a good discount. I want like a 20 to 40% discount for all these people. And they'll say, well, since it's going to be in bulk and everyone's coming, you guys can get 20 to 30% off. So I actually have found ways to make like bucket list hunts affordable for people that maybe wouldn't have been able to afford it just going on their own. And then because I have the experience in traveling internationally, able to help them through that process, it's pretty intimidating Mm -hmm. if you haven't flown out of the country and now you have a trip booked to Africa. Oh my Mm -hmm. God, they get all these questions. So I'm kind of there as the resource and their hand to hold along the way. And then it, it's also usually outfitters that I've hunted with. So I've vetted them. I know that they're good. Can also be daunting picking out an outfitter and trusting that you're going to have a good experience. So I'm really run
0: away to find... from your Cape Buffalo charging. <laughs> <you. laughs>
1: yeah, I've tried to find ways to be able to help people have the lifestyle that I have because I know a lot of people like that. That's what they want. And so, yeah, just reach out to me, anyone that's listening, if, if you have questions about my husband and i do we're
0: we're willing to help cool yeah i'll leave her myspace handle down below guys so you can know (laughs)
1: right yeah
0: (laughs) no but uh yeah we'll we'll leave all the links down below for for you guys to go check out sarah is just doing amazing things again guys what i think is so key is that communication and also understanding each other's goals i could almost i would almost bet money that 10 years ago you weren't thinking this like you couldn't necessarily picture this 10 years ago but you pictured the five next steps to get to this point. And then, you know, three years later you pictured another five steps and like you built on it. Right. And I think that's something that may be daunting for people as well is thinking 10 years ahead, that can be hard and your goals are going to change as you go because there's going to be life experiences and things that happen. Um, especially being a military family, I understand that 100%. There's things that get thrown at you last minute that you, you weren't expecting, but, um, Either way, guys, I'll leave Sarah's information down below for you guys to check her out and uh, and send her any questions that you've got. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing. Yeah. I, I really appreciate your time. I know you've, you've obviously made it very clear. You've got a lot of stuff on your plate. And so for <laughs> you to take the time to to come chat with me on the podcast, I really appreciate it. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. So yeah,
1: I enjoyed it. That, Thanks so
0: much. Yeah, of course. And with that being said, guys, like I always say, get out of your life and love it. Okay guys, well uh, that was just an outstanding conversation and let's be honest, I, I'm kind of intrigued by this Cape Buffalo hunt, uh, it's it's enticing but it's also a little sketchy <laughs> if you didn't get that from the conversation here. Uh, hope you enjoyed that conversation guys, you learned a little bit about entrepreneurial spirit, uh, going out and just chasing your adventures, things that you're wanting to do, not waiting until you're retired or to the last minute to get that done. Uh, go out and get it done now, and uh, I'm gonna leave the links down below to check out any of Sarah's. Any questions, maybe you have for Sarah, or just to see some of her adventures that she's been on. I'll leave those links down below, guys. And of course, if you got something out of this conversation, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review and share the show. Tag me in it wherever it is on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, come join us over at Redbeard's Fit Crew as well. And I love the growth that's happening. I'm stoked to see where this goes here in 2023. And it's all thanks to you guys. Uh, Looking forward to doing some awesome giveaways as well here in the near future. So stay tuned. And uh, that's it. Have an amazing rest of your weekend. Spend time with loved ones. And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.